Over the Wall podcast coming at you. We have major news coming out of college football, which we will get to. So many interesting things coming out of that front. And then we'll talk NBA. NBA restart, what I see from teams locally, what I see from the Pelicans, what I see from Zion. Still my predictions on the season. Um, and some of the NBA politics that are a little off-putting to the American public at large. So, like I said, two interesting topics we'll get to, especially college football, man. There's so many moving parts right now. Unprecedented times. But we're going to dive into it. So, let's go. We're now in the month of August, which usually non-pandemic is buzzing about football season approaching. It's a very exciting time of year because football is huge in this part of the country, in the southeastern part of the country, and really the country at large. But when you talk about the southeastern footprint of the country, college football is king. And if you've listened to my podcast over the, the past month or two, I've shifted a couple times in what do I think is going to happen. Now, in July, when the Big Ten came out and said, Conference-only schedule, that's what we're doing. I said, it's over. It's done. It's a domino that's going to fall, and it's going to continue to keep falling and falling. A trickle-down effect. And my prediction was college football is done. Um, it was going to be one thing after another after another. But we started to hear some more positive news where the Pac-12 said they're going to they're go ahead with a the schedule. They're starting September 19th. SEC followed suit. So did the ACC. Hell, not Less than three or four days ago, these conferences came out in schedule. They said, this is our schedule. Big Ten said September 5th, we're starting. Hell, they even said new date for Ohio State, Michigan, October 24th. It won't be the last game of the season this year. New date. You know, schedules are released. The ACC released the schedule. The SEC came out and said, here's your two new cross-divisional um, opponents. Like LSU was going to play Vanderbilt, Missouri, which was hitting the jackpot, essentially. And then we come to find out Sunday night from reports from SI, Ross Dellinger, Pat Forty, that, you know, the Big Ten really is the the conference that's come out with it, that talking to uh, college presidents and ADs that the football season, it's inevitable. It's going to be canceled this fall. It's just not going to happen. The Big Twelve had a, the Big Ten had a vote, twelve to two. They have fourteen teams in their conferences. With the schools, there was twelve to two in favor of no football in the fall. The only two schools who voted in favor of football was Iowa and Nebraska. And this is crazy because, like I said, why would you, why would you put the information out as far as a schedule um, when you're looking at like Thursday? And then a couple of days later, say, nah, we're not going to do this. Wouldn't you have Wouldn't you have not done that? Wouldn't you have a couple of weeks back said, look, we're just not doing this? This thing is all over the map. So as I'm recording this right now, it is Monday, okay? Reports are it's done. It's going to happen. It's going to get canceled. So what you're hearing is Big Ten really leading the pack. And the Pac-12 doesn't want to be the first ones out there to come out and say we're canceling because they don't want to be criticized. So what you're hearing is the Big Ten Tuesday morning is going to come out and say, look, we're done. We're canceling this uh, season. Then you're going to have the Pac-12 follow suit. Then the big question is going to be, 
the conferences like the ACC and the Big 12, what do they do? The Big 12 is believed that Oklahoma and Texas are leading the pack saying, we want to play, let's get together, let's figure this out. But the reality is they're probably going to follow suit as well. The one conference that is going to push as hard as they can to play out of all these conferences is the SEC. They're looking at different TV deals and different packages really to play. But here's the problem. And I've, I've continuously said this, not about the whole pandemic at large, but especially when it comes to college football and, and maybe sometimes sports at large, you're being lied to, right, and deceived. I would say deception is probably the better word I'm looking for here. Now, I like to give you a timeline and I like to give you little things that happen, right? So we talked about the schedule release. I I even gave you what my opinions were, um, you know, even going back to July and then in August, right, when, when schedules get released. Hell, I had to even cancel a segment. I actually recorded a segment four days ago saying I thought the season was gonna, you know, was gonna happen because of the schedule release. So another thing that started happening last week, which I think you can attribute to the season being canceled, the Pac-12 amount, it was a Pac-12 players initiative. I don't think it's a ton of players in the Pac-12. I think it's a decent amount, but they came out with these, you know, reasons for, you know, change, um, you know, they they had seven they had a list of things that they came out with that they basically demands that they needed to be heard if they wanted to play. And it was testing and protocols, which are absolutely believable. But then they started getting in the weeds where they want, you know, a fifty percent revenue share, which is just so unrealistic because now you're talking about Title Nine. They just can't do this on the fly. It it almost is illegal. You you can't just you know, 50% revenue share, and what do you do with other sports? So it's a lot of minutia. So Pac-12, that was the first domino to fall, okay? Players almost unionizing in that aspect. Then you had opt-outs, player opt-outs, right? And so what started happening is you get big-time players. Um, Rondell Moore is a slot receiver from Purdue. Could be a first-rounder, dynamic, smaller guy, super quick. And then you had... Michael Parsons, linebacker uh, out of Penn State. This is this guy could be a top ten player in the draft. Um, Gregory Russo, Miami, another guy who could be a top ten player in the draft um, coming up in the spring, and several others that that came up. And once again, you are being deceived. So what they do is they say, "Look, just it's not safe out there." We can't play. I, I I just can't do this. It's just not safe because of COVID. They're lying to you. They saw a window of opportunity. Probably won't be any fans in the stands. Won't be the same type of year. They're giving me an out right here. An out meaning if I tell my teammates, my coaching staff, and the media, and the country at large that I'm opting out because of COVID, they'll believe me. When the reality is they're opting out because they're avoiding injury, avoiding risk, and they're going to start preparing for the draft. That's the reality. Okay? That's just point blank the reality. When we look at football, violent game, right? The reality with the COVID situation, and I'm going to get a little off topic. Every year you're seeing knee injuries. You're just seeing injuries, you know, at large, right? So let's let's just take ACL injuries. 
I mean, how many how many ACL injuries are we going to have to where surgery is needed? How many COVID situations are we going to have to where players need to be intubated or even have surgery? Maybe you're not, I mean, slim to none. I, I would say very few, maybe, maybe even none. But so do we cancel football or do we, you know, basically boycott the sport because of ACL injuries? No, we plow through. So that's kind of an off-topic discussion right there when you really think about it, right? We, we start to lose our minds sometimes. Players are safer where they're at. They're safer on a college campus. This isn't a rinky-dink operation. This isn't a high school operation where they do not have the funds to have a safe environment. I, I absolutely despise when people say that. LSU, for instance, since it's hitting close to home, LSU has everything you need to be safe, period, point blank. They do. They have doctors at your beck and call, athletic trainers, physical therapists. They are testing these players three times a week. Let me give you an example. Neil Farrell, who is a defensive lineman for LSU, could be a starter, could not be, but he's going to get some PT. So he opts out, says not safe. um, And he's had issues with his family, having COVID. So opting out, not safe. Okay, let me break this down to you because let me decode that. I'd love to hear the truth from some of these players and just come on and say, what's the real issue here? I think, like I said, it's a window to jump out of. It's an opportunity to say, hey, I'm out. Because like I said, it's just not based in reality, some of these explanations. For instance, so if Neil Farrell had issues with his family in COVID, right? Well, where do you think Neil Farrell's going to go? He's going to go back home. He's from Alabama. He's going to go back home to Alabama to his house, right? Now, unless Neil Farrell, who's 20, 21 years old, has his own place, which I doubt it, he's going to live back. He's going to move back with his parents, right? Who have either had or currently have COVID-19. Well, that doesn't make very much sense. Why would they? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, not safe. You're getting tested three times a week. And if you test positive, they'll quarantine you. You have doctors, you have free medical, you have everything you need. I, I don't, it doesn't make sense. So like if Neil Farrell is saying that, I'd like to track him on a consistent basis this fall and spring and sure he is not going to the grocery store. He is not going to see a friend or a girlfriend or he's not leaving the house. Because do you think that's reality? No, he will be leaving the house. He will be doing something. He will be doing things socially. <laughs> so these these arguments just do not make sense. Okay? What it comes down to, and this is reality. This is just how it is. Since the Pac-12 initiative, like I talked about, we talked about players opting out. And then, you know, kind of talked about the Neil Farrell situation. Universities, presidents, ADs are now realizing this is not a health situation. This is a liability situation because you're seeing the outcry, especially with social media, which is going to you know, play the victim card with these guys, is that they know they're, they're on the hook. So college football power five, let's say one kid ends up dying. God forbid. Doubt it, but let's just say. 
contracts the virus, has a tough time with it, maybe has some type of ailment that they don't know about, maybe a heart ailment or, you know, something, and and dies. They're on the hook for that, and they know that they will be, you know, sued to the high heavens, and they will be, they'll, they're going to lose their jobs because the media scrutiny is, is going to be unbearable. So they're realizing at this point, you know what, we're not even going to put up with this, we're out. That, to me, that's the reason of canceling a season, the liability issues. They don't want to be on the hook for it. And chances are everything's going to be fine, right, just because of the protocols put in place with these Power Five conferences who have the money to put in really good, like I said, protocols, testing, all that stuff. It's not a health concern. It's a liability concern. And that's what you're looking at. Okay. And then – you know, let's let's break down some more things. You start to hear, well, they're thinking about spring, uh, football in the spring. Okay. Once again, this is just kind of my issue with the whole pandemic. It's what's the end game here? Is it just the vaccine? Is that the end game for you? Because the vaccine isn't coming until maybe, you know, March, April of 2021. And then you're talking about college athletes who are the least affected they're not going to be the first ones to get this vaccination. I doubt it. Because then when you had testing, you know, when the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball or college athletics had testing, everybody panicked. My God, I cannot believe that, you know, these sports leagues are going to have testing. It's just not fair. Well, what are they going to say if, you know, LSU wants to play and every kid has gets a vaccination when it comes out? You know what they're, they're going to say. They're going to criticize the university. They're going to criticize the conference. They're going to criticize athletics because it's a shame that these guys get it and people who need a vaccination don't. Also, they're going to cancel the fall. Well, they're going to cancel basketball. They're going to cancel March Madness. They're going to cancel college baseball. You have two years of no March Madness. You have a year of no college football. You're talking about a major revenue loss. What happens to college athletics? What happens to these universities? And I know that these presidents and these ADs have thought about that. Yes, it, the ramifications are going to be unbelievable. I'm telling you, it's going to be crazy. It really will be. I mean, you're talking about a turning point in college athletics. You are seeing it now. When this news breaks tomorrow morning, this afternoon, this is going to be something that will change college athletics forever, in my opinion, because the loss of revenue will be unbelievable. When we talk about other sports, and I've said it before, college baseball is huge in Louisiana. LSU is one of like only two or three schools to actually make money off of baseball. Every other school is losing money. They don't have the ability to take this major loss of football revenue, of basketball revenue. How do they stay afloat? It's going to be interesting. This is a changing of the guard almost right here. It's going to be very interesting moving forward. The spring thing to me, like I was just saying, I got a little off topic there. What's going to change in the spring? Think about it. Like, let's say you want to start March, right? Well, let's say you can't get vaccinated until the summer. What changes? It's a virus. It doesn't go away. What do you think is going to change? So that's the, that's the issue I have. Also, a big issue is going to be this. 
I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, guy, just big time guys. But even guys who like can be fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, they're not gonna play. If you're talking about starting the season in March, April, well, the NFL draft can only delay a certain amount of time. So it's it's in late late April. Okay, let's say early June. I mean, these guys, they're not going to want to play when the when the draft is just right there. I mean, the NFL can only be so flexible with this whole thing, okay? It's not a good solution. And then when you talk about the spring, what you're going to do? Play another spring football season? Because you're talking about playing hypothetically in March. Let's do March, April, May, okay? When you're going to start the football season in September. When normally these seasons are done, November, get a big break. And when you talk about bowl seasons, for the most part for these schools, I'm sure the practices are pretty cushy. They're not, you know, they're not very rigorous. And so most of these seasons are ending, you know, late November, early December. And then they have a long break. They'll have their spring and fall camps. And then you're starting back in September. That's a big layoff. But when you're talking about ending in May, that's a... Do you think that their bodies can hold up? I mean, it's a violent sport. So once again, that is another issue with the spring. I'm telling you, there is serious problems. And if you're, I guess, the the vaccine is the one thing that's gonna you know be the savior. I'm assuming, because then that gets you issue off the hook liability wise. But overall, it's a liability issue. It's not a safety issue. Because if it was a safety issue, they're safer on campus than they are at home, period, point blank. Do you think that if I'm an athlete and I go home, do you think that mom is going to have a a COVID-19 test for me three days a week? No, she's not. Do you think mom will have a doctor at the house or a physical therapist or an athletic trainer at the house, you know, who will monitor me. No, they won't. (laughs) Do you think mom or dad is going to wipe, you know, if I have equipment I can work out with, do you think they'll be able to just sterilize it completely? Maybe they can, but same thing at these schools like LSU. I mean, they are sterilizing everything. This isn't a rinky-dink operation. You're safer on campus than you are at your house, period. And so, you're being lied to about a lot of things with college football. The reality is, if you ask me what's going to happen, they're going to cancel it. I think the SEC will be the last one because they'll try to push forward. But overall, it's not a health concern. It is a liability issue. Let's dive into some NBA. Started up about a week and a half ago, and I think the product is really good. I was expecting something totally different when they said empty gym in Orlando. You were expecting this like high school setting type thing where you're just seeing empty bleachers. But they put on a really good product with the video boards um, and all that other stuff. We'll get into the politics in a little bit, which is a little off-putting. But for the most part, it's been a really good product. And there's several storylines we're going to hit on. Obviously, from a local standpoint, the Pelicans have been a disappointment. and For me, the disappointment is the handling of Zion. And I don't necessarily blame the Pelicans. I think when you're in the situation they were in, when they were drafting, they got the number one overall pick. Zion was such a social media star and a star in general that you couldn't pass on him. 
right? That there would be so much pressure if you passed on him and went with Ja Morant. Personally, I think they would have been better off getting the number two pick and going with Morant. I really like him. I think he's Russell Westbrook-ish, but with a better shot going forward. I really, really like him. He's got a lot of potential. He's a future perennial all-star. Zion, there is issues. This situation where you have to handle him, they're not handling Ja Morant where they have to sit him down. They're not handling any rookies like that. This is not going to be a good situation in my opinion. There has been an article written in The Athletic, and it's a doctor who talked to Ethan Strauss, who said he's already seeing issues with Zion moving forward, where he's looked at film at Duke just a year ago, and he already sees him slowing down. He's not as athletic. He's more lethargic. I mean, this could very well be a problem going forward. Now, he is a force. He really is. But I'm worried that... if at 19, 20 years old, you're having to kind of pull him back and really like just crunch his minutes, it's not good going forward. Now, if he stays healthy and he plays the level he's playing at now and can improve, he's going to be a superstar. There is no doubt about it. I think his shot will improve and he's a force at the rim and a force on the boards. And if he can be that type of player, the Pelicans are going to be a, a damn good team moving forward. But that is the issue, is will he be on the floor? There's just been issue after issue after issue. It happened at Duke. It's happened with, you know, Summer League last year. And then, you know, with their restart, now they're not, they're managing his minutes. I don't know. It's very worrisome. Now, as a team, I think they have a really good core of players with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, Josh Hart. It's a really good nucleus right there. And then you have a veteran like a J.J. Redick. And Derek Favors in there. It this is a this could be a good team going forward, but the key is going to be the health of Zion. What's it look like? And that's what worries me, is that you know when you're put in that position with that number one overall pick, they they couldn't just not pick Zion. They had to. It was too much pressure as an organization, and he's you know he's such a, a megastar that especially in a, in a in a place like New Orleans, which isn't a huge market. You haven't had the best fan attendance. You needed to draft them. And now you might have to live with it, right? And we've heard people say that there, there could be issues going forward, but we kind of have to see that. But that would be my worries with the Pelicans. Obviously, the Lakers were the number one seed in the West. I feel like they've struggled since they've come back from the break. LeBron James, in my opinion, should be the MVP. The way he's carried a team from a team who didn't even make the playoffs last year. Sure, they got Anthony Davis, but when you look at it, it's really LeBron, AD, and, you know, who else? Kuzma's not that great. He's a 12-point-a-game guy. I think people overestimated him over the past couple years just because he's playing with a young team and scoring a lot of points. And so they don't have much else. Avery Bradley opted out. Rajon Rondo's hurt. So you're struggling to find points elsewhere. I don't think they're a championship team. I think they've peaked. I think a team that is a very, very interesting and has always been the shadow of the Lakers is the L.A. Clippers. They're going to hit at the right time. They've had their ups and downs since the restart, but they are a team that I think can turn it on. They know what they're doing. They have a coach in Doc Rivers that knows what he's doing and knows how to manage these guys' minutes, and I think Come playoff time, come crunch time, they are going to put it on. The only thing that sucks about it is they've been in the shadow of the Lakers for so long. You know, they're just a little brother. And 
finally they have the opportunity, and I think they're going to do it, and they're going to win the championship. It's going to be in an empty arena in Orlando and probably no victory parade in L.A. when it's all said and done. So that's kind of the, the crappy thing about it when you look at the Clippers and that this is their moment of glory, um, possibly, which I don't think they'll ever do, get a step up on the Lakers in, in L.A., but definitely build some cachet with the younger crowd that they're going to miss on that opportunity because of this whole pandemic. And it just sucks for them. But, I mean, just a bright future going forward with a great owner and just, you know, great coach, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I love them going forward. They have a deep bench. And they have everything they need. And like I said, so I rather I, I would say Clippers over Lakers just because the Lakers, it's LeBron, AD, and just a, a bunch of parts, really, at this point. Then when you look at other teams we have, like Damian Lillard is killing it right now since the restart. He, I believe, is averaging I think, 29 a game. He's shooting like 48% from three. It, it's absurd. And the Blazers are now back in the picture in the playoffs. Before that, they had injuries. But now, now that they're healthy and they're back in the mix, they're probably going to get that eight spot and really challenge the Lakers when the playoffs start in a couple weeks. So that's something you got to watch for as well. Then in the East, I was really bullish on the Celtics, maybe thinking they could have a chance to make it to the championship. Uh, not so much anymore. I don't think they have the size. I don't think, I especially don't think they have the size to defend Giannis and the Bucks. So I would kind of pull back a little bit on the Celtics, and I think it's it, this is the Bucks conference right here. It's going to be Milwaukee getting out of there. And I, I believe it's going to be – so I still believe it's going to be Clippers and Bucks when it's all said and done with the Clippers winning it. Earlier we talked about, you know, the product itself with the NBA. Now, I mentioned politics, and the NBA has dove full-on into politics, which I absolutely hate. It's not that I lean one way or the other, but it's when you keep shoving it down people's throats. That's not a good business model. It's just not. Because basically what you're telling you, your audience is – if you don't believe in what we believe in, out, leave. We don't care. I just think it's a bad model. Why would you do that? If I'm in the grocery store and I had a sign that said, if you don't believe, you know, if you are pro-abortion, don't come in my store, right? Or if you're, you know, agnostic religiously, don't, I don't want you in my store. I don't want you to be a customer. Why would you do that? Why would you lose money on that? That's not how that's not how you run a business. And this is how the NBA is running their business. If you don't believe in what we believe in, then get out. You know, they've gone full into go vote, go vote, go vote. They're not saying go vote for Donald Trump. They're saying go vote for the Democratic Party. Um, the Black Lives Matter thing, which once again, it depends on your definition of it. I'm fine. I don't care. The kneeling has almost gotten to the, I, I call it the ice anthem challenge is who can outdo the other one, who can get more, um, you know, social media clicks and likes, retweets. That's, that, I think that's what it's come down to, essentially. And like I said, they've dove full into the whole, you know, political game. LeBron James is firing back at Donald Trump because Donald Trump said, he wouldn't watch, and then, you know, obviously LeBron James comes back at him like he always does and says that we don't care if you don't watch, if you don't believe in what we believe in, don't watch. Why would you say that? Why would you tell your customer base that? See, this is the problem. I, I, I was a huge LeBron James fan for a long time, huge. So any team he was playing for, I was rooting for and rooting for hard, almost like they were my local team. 
But I've gotten away from LeBron James. And the reason is, it's not because I, I would agree or disagree with his political beliefs or his social beliefs. I'm with him. I think LeBron James is doing things where, you know, he truly is trying to do things for a good reason. I think he's a good person. He's never gotten in trouble. But I don't like it either way, whether you're on the right side or the left side politically. If you're trying to shove stuff down my throat and tell me what I should think, and if you don't think what I think, then you're wrong. I just have a problem with that. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what your political beliefs are. Don't tell me how to think, and basically don't tell me if you don't believe what I believe, then I don't, I don't care about you. I hate that. I hate that messaging. It's the wrong message. It truly is. And I think the, 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 the table turned for LeBron, and just in my opinion, this is just my belief, it turned, I'd say, three or four years ago. When he wins a title in Cleveland, but then he realizes with Durant going there to Golden State, that being, that he wasn't going to win six like Michael Jordan. That was essentially his legacy. That He was chasing the whole six strings. And when he realized he wasn't going to do that, I think Nike and I think his handlers said, hey, you know what? Michael Jordan was never in the political game. He was apolitical, and people kind of had an issue with that. If you become this social justice warrior on social media, and just, you know, fire all the time and be this almost Muhammad Ali type figure, that's going to put you over the top. And I think that's why he's completely dove into that is because he thinks that's his way of beating Michael Jordan in this mythical game of, you know, goat. That's just my belief. And, you know, a lot of athletes do that where they really, you know, think that, there, you know, because Muhammad Ali was definitely the, the figure that you look at socially who, you know, put a lot on the line. I mean, when you look back, I mean, he, you know, he was a, called a draft dodger because he didn't want to go to Vietnam. But when you look back, I mean, he had, you know, some pretty good reasons, right? Like there was some logic behind there. I think sometimes LeBron, he's, you know, he's fishing too much, in my opinion, although I do think he's trying to do the good things. I think he, he he goes a little over the top and it's off putting. And like I said, I don't have a problem with the guy. I just I don't like when people basically tell you how to think. It's just not my thing. You know? And I think that's the problem with the NBA. And I think when they see the ratings going forward, it's it, it's gonna have to be a conversation to be had. We've talked about China, right? There's the hypocrisy with China. And I know it's a double edged sword, like I said politically. They can kneel for the national anthem. And to be honest with you, I'm okay with it. And that's what's great about this country is that you can do that. You can protest things like the national anthem and you won't get put in jail. That's why this country is great. That's what's great about it. And you can have your opinion. But when you put yourself out there to have your opinion politically, socially, you can't be hypocritical. And you can't take money from China, who's a a communist dictatorship government who's putting people who, if you have the wrong religious beliefs, they're putting you in concentration camps, okay? You can't be hypocritical about those things. You can't not say anything, okay? LeBron, when Daryl Morey, you know, in October, uh, you know, fired back at China in a tweet, LeBron said he wasn't educated enough. I mean, come on. Daryl Morey is an MIT grad, you know? he He's a lot more educated than you think. (laughs) And so a big thing we talk about change. If LeBron James and these guys 
who are represented by these big shoe companies, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, said, you know what? Especially LeBron. I want to make a change. You know what I want to do? I want to bring jobs back to America. We're looking at 40 million unemployed right now. I go to Nike. I say, look, I want the slave labor that's going on in Asia that are making my quality shoes. And I want them put back into jobs in America. Build a factory in Akron, Ohio, in, you know, inner cities to create jobs. That would be a big, you know, a big movement for him. And think about it. He's LeBron James. I mean, if he if he can do like his word will go a long way. Okay, at Nike, he could easily do that. Will they lose money? Sure. Will they build cachet amongst the American people? Absolutely. And that's been my whole point the whole time is I'm completely fine, you know, with you having an opinion, but just don't be hypocritical and don't be hateful about it. And right now I see a bunch of hypocrisy going on in the NBA. Look, hopefully moving forward, we can, you know, I guess, move away from politics, even though I think it's going to be tough with this political circle, uh, cycle coming up in November. But the ratings will drop. You will see that. And I think they're going to have to kind of reboot and reconfigure their, their game plan moving forward. 